Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. Steph versus LeBron. Jokic versus Booker. Joel Embiid versus Tatum and the Celtics. Jimmy Buckets trying to put away New York City. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays as we decide the final four in basketball's playoffs this week. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we so greatly appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We have got a fantabulous show here on a Friday, May 12th. It may not be Friday, May 12th when you're listening to the show. It might be a different day. It might be a Saturday, a Sunday, a Monday, any day, however and whenever you're listening. We appreciate you stopping in and supporting the show. Leave those five-star reviews, those downloads, all that good stuff is greatly, greatly appreciated. We've got four NBA playoff series that are going to conclude by the time we get to Monday of next week. I presume we're going to do Wired Up at some point this weekend because it seems like there is a lot going on in the NBA playoffs for us to discuss, and I presume that we will get to it at some point. However, taking you behind the curtain, do not look at the man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz. In this Wizard of Oz taking you behind the curtain... I have tickets to go watch baseball on Thursday night. So to get this podcast out Friday morning, we have to record Thursday afternoon, really Thursday early afternoon or late morning, however you choose to look at it. We got to record before game six of Celtics and 76ers. We got to record before game six of the Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets series. So we don't have those results in hand at the time of recording this. I also wanted to kind of put a bow on one of these series so that when we get to Monday and the excitement of the weekend in Game 7s has faded a little bit, by the time we get to the weekend, we will have three series likely going to game seven, maybe be done in six that we can discuss once we get to Monday. I'm sure we'll have eulogies for a bunch of different teams, etc. 
All of that is a long-winded way of saying that today I would like to discuss the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. Because if you're listening to this on Friday, Game 6 of that series is going to be played in Miami later tonight. If you're listening to this after Friday, it means that the New York Knicks got eliminated in six games by the Miami Heat. Why? Because the New York Knicks ain't going to win that series. If you're listening to this by Monday, the Miami Heat will have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. And the reason I feel so secure in the Miami Heat advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals is the Miami Heat are clearly a better team than the New York Knicks, have shown it consistently throughout the series, were up three games to one, the New York Knicks had to fight their way to get a victory in Game 5. I know the final score looks a little larger, but it was a three-point game in the five-minute territory left in the fourth quarter. This game was close at the Garden, and the New York Knicks survived thanks to a big-time shot by Jalen Brunson near the end of the game to kill what would have been a Miami Heat rally. New York Knicks played very well and ultimately defeated the Miami Heat because of a 40-point Jalen Brunson game with a couple of clutch shots at the end. Also, Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes played all 48 minutes of that basketball game in Game 5. But we're not here to talk about the Heat and Knicks series or break down the X's and O's of the Miami Heat putting up a game in which no single player on the team scored 20 points and they were still down 3 with 5 minutes left to play in the game when Jalen Brunson had gone for 30-something points. He finished with 38, but at the time he had like 31 points in the game. The Miami Heat are going to beat the New York Knicks. They're probably going to beat the New York Knicks on Friday. And so today, whether it ends in Game 6 or Game 7, I would like to give the New York Knicks eulogy. And I want to give the New York Knicks eulogy because I think they are an impossibly fascinating team going forward. And since we're going to begin the New York Knicks eulogy, let's begin with the stylings of Frank Sinatra to set the mood. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it New York All right, so if we're going to do a New York Knicks eulogy and talk about the future of that franchise after making it to the second round of the playoffs for the second time in my lifetime, again, I was born in 2000. The New York Knicks have made the second round of the playoffs twice in my lifetime. The New York Knicks eulogy needs to come with a couple ground rules. We're not going to talk about star players specifically joining the New York Knicks. Because any franchise 
that makes it to the second round of the playoffs is looking to upgrade their roster with a stu- with a superstar or an all-star. The Milwaukee Bucks did it after making the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019. They then traded for Drew Holiday in 2020. The Miami Heat are looking to trade for an all-star. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who the Knicks beat in the first round, were looking to add an all-star, and they traded for Donovan Mitchell. Even the New York Knicks were trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell. The Minnesota Timberwolves were looking to trade for an all-star. Yes, every team that makes the first or second round of the playoffs is looking to trade for an all-star. The New York Knicks are not special. The New York Knicks are not distinct in that respect. So, we're not going to talk about specific players joining the New York Knicks. Yes, every team that makes the first or second round of the playoffs can make the next step if one of the 10 best players in the NBA really wants to play for their franchise. We have no inclination that any of the 10 best players in the league want to play for the New York Knicks. Therefore, they are not special or unique in that respect. That's one of the ground rules. The other ground rule that we're going to lay is we're not going to talk about how the Mecca is something that is attractive for the NBA at large. We get it. The New York Knicks have a large fan base. Playing in the Garden is distinct and special. We get it. And I have heard it so much that I resent the fact that it is the case at this point in my life. It's really obnoxious, and we're not going to talk about that, and the influence that playing in New York will have on them in the Eastern Conference or teams coming to play them. We're not going to talk about that. So those are the two ground rules for talking about the New York Knicks. I feel like we need to establish that every time because goddamn every time someone talks about the New York Knicks, it is always about will this star player go and play for the New York Knicks or what impact will the Knicks being back have on the NBA landscape and the mecca atmosphere with stars in the crowd. God, I could not care any less than I already do about that stuff with the New York Knicks. Okay, those are the ground rules that we're laying for the New York Knicks eulogy. I'm really fascinated by what the New York Knicks are going to do next, not because they are attractive to an all-star, not because a top 10 player in the league will decide to play for them like Zion Williamson or Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid or anyone in the in-between. Why I'm super fascinated in what the New York Knicks do is that they have taken this core of the team as far as they possibly can. And now we get to watch what happens when they pivot. And the reason I say that they have brought the core of this team as far as they can is the New York Knicks had one all-star and one all-NBA player during this last season. And that player was either their third or or fourth best player in the postseason. And it wasn't because these other players just got exponentially better. The New York Knicks came to the realization, yeah, our team is better when the offense runs through Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett, and occasionally against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Josh Hart. In the Cleveland Cavaliers series, Julius Randle, who again made all-NBA third team, was their lone all-star last season, has been the New York Knicks' best player for four seasons now, made two all-star games, one most improved player, took the Knicks to the playoffs in 2021, 
and led the Knicks to the playoffs in 2023. The best player for four seasons, who is now in his ninth or 10th NBA season, is now your third best player. Julius Randle has peaked. I feel pretty confident saying Julius Randle has probably peaked. He is 28 years old. He'll be 29 by the time the season rolls around next year. And he is no longer the best player on his own team. And he hasn't played terribly in the playoffs. He just got benched and is playing hurt through this series. In the postseason this year so far, Julius Randle is averaging 16.8 points, 8 rebounds a game, and has a field goal percentage of 39%. From three-point range, he's shooting 27%, but granted, Julius Randle is not really a three-point shooter. Julius Randle is the third leading scorer on the New York Knicks in the postseason. Julius Randle was their third go-to option in this series against the Heat, and in the Cavaliers series was on the bench during Game 4 when the New York Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers with the, the them deciding, and we did a full podcast on this, about 30 minutes, like they decided that their offense runs better when it's Jalen Brunson as the primary ball handler, R.J. Barrett's ability to create his own shot, and Josh Hart being involved as the 1-2 game with... Um, with uh, Jalen Brunson. Now they've gone back to getting Randall more involved in the offense in this series, and I think that's because of how the defense matches up against the Miami Heat compared to the lack of length for the Cleveland Cavaliers and them just having Mitchell Robinson pound the ball inside on Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So they've gone to bringing Randall back into the offense, and they've changed how they've ran it a little bit in the playoffs, but it hasn't been so significant that Randall is the go-to guy. Jalen Brunson's the go-to guy. And R.J. Barrett, by the way, number three pick in the NBA draft, former number one high school prospect, which, for those who don't know, Julius Randall, depending on the rankings you were looking at, was either the number one or number two prospect in his high school class back in 2013. R.J. Barrett, who six years later was the number one prospect in his high school class, picked third overall in the NBA draft. R.J. Barrett is coming into his own as a guy who can create his own shot and give you 22 points a game. Now, granted, 22 points a game is what 15 points a game used to be in the NBA. I did laugh at the fact that even the San Antonio Spurs had two 20-point-per-game scores this year, Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell on the worst team in the NBA, both averaged 20 points a game. But R.J. Barrett's a dude who can give you 22 a game. And while there are 50 to 60 of those guys in the NBA who can give you 22 a game, it doesn't look like Julius Randle is one of those 50 to 60. And while Julius Randle clearly does other stuff, they the offense has proven that it is better off when Julius Randle is the third or fourth option. And against the Cleveland Cavaliers, they decided that Obi Toppin sitting on the wing and shooting three-pointers was a better option than playing Julius Randle at the end of the game. And this is why I'm so interested by what the New York Knicks are going to do, because Julius Randle is your best player and your highest paid player, and he has reached probably the peak of his career and probably as far as he could have taken this New York Knicks New York Knicks team because remember 
when Julius Randle first arrived with the New York Knicks, he was a dude who had been let go by two different teams. The Lakers just let him walk out the door when they got LeBron James. The New Orleans Pelicans, in a post uh, in a post to Marcus Cousins world, they let Julius Randle walk out the door after two seasons. Like Julius Randle was a guy who had been the number one or number two on teams in the past and hadn't worked out. Those teams never made the playoffs. The Pelicans and Lakers never made the playoffs in six Julius Randle seasons. And then he gets to the New York Knicks and in year eight finally takes the New York Knicks to the playoffs and in year 10 wins a playoff series where he is on the bench during game four in crunch time because they'd rather put Obi Toppin on the wing because the offense ran through Randall, or sorry, ran through Brunson and Barrett and Josh Hart. And that's why I'm so interested in how the New York Knicks are going to pivot because Julius Randall can return to the team next year, but Julius Randall is no longer going to be the all-star on the New York Knicks. If the New York Knicks are going to have two all-stars, they will be presumably one of the three the top 3 seeds in the west or in the east because there's not really a whole lot of especially in the modern NBA where stars don't play on the same team i think there was only two teams in the league last year that had multiple all-stars which were the Sacramento Kings shout out light the beam Sacramento where we are recording this podcast right now Sacramento Kings and it took De'Aaron Fox being a replacement in the all-star game and the Milwaukee Bucks with Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And granted, the the Kyrie-Kevin Durant trade messed with the all-star status, but consider them being on the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets had two all-stars, and that was it. That was the entire league's worth of all-stars was those three teams. And... If the New York Knicks are going to be a team that has multiple All-Stars next season, I'm going to bet that it's going to be Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. If they're going to get one All-Star, it's going to be Jalen Brunson because that offense is going to run through Brunson from this point going forward. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to trade Randall. It doesn't necessarily mean he's no longer the guy on the team and therefore they should move off of him because of his contract. His contract isn't a total albatross. It's clear, though, that the player who has been their best for the last four years and the guy that they have built this current iteration of the team on, which, granted, this current iteration of the team is, for the first time, a top-eight team in the league, but granted, this version of the team they have built has had Julius Randle as the best player on the team, and Julius Randle is no longer the best player on the New York Knicks. And so I'm interested to see how they will pivot next season. Will they make Julius Randle the third focal point in the offense? Will it be Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett are the primary ball handlers and the primary shot creators? Which means if those two are going to be your primary shot creators and you're going to put Quentin Grimes, who is the best corner three-point shooter in the NBA this season by volume, which is a real thing. You know how in the modern NBA... Every team spaces the floor by having a guy sit in the corner and shoot threes. Quinton Grimes was the best player in the league at sitting in the right corner and shooting three-pointers by volume 
best three-point shooter from the right corner in the entire NBA this season. So if they're going to play Quentin Grimes, who I saw play in high school and saw play in the Final Four for Houston, if Quentin Grimes is going to be on the floor as a starter and play 48 minutes like he did in that playoff game. I'm not saying in the regular season he's going to play 48 minutes, but clearly he is a guy they want on the floor in their starting rotation. So if you're going to have him as your corner three-point shooter, and if you want to play Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein at the center position, either Mitchell Robinson as big man or Isaiah Hartenstein as uh, tall man, to match up with, say, the Evan Mobley's of the world or match up with the Brooke Lopez's of the world. Like, if you're going to have Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein, one of those two on the floor at all times, if you're going to have Quentin Grimes as a starter, where does Julius Randle fit into that equation? And would they be better served with a different starter like, for example, even Josh Hart? Or if they trade Julius Randle even a guy like a, Car- a Karis Levert. Like, would they be better served with Randall being asset valuation, or would they be better packaging Randall for a player who they know can average 25 points a game and play defense? Now, granted, there aren't a lot of those in the NBA right now. Maybe the answer is like, oh, they're going to go get Clay Thompson who is available right now and see if they can squeeze some life out of Clay Thompson at the end of his career or who knows maybe they go and get uh, Kyle Kuzma and do something with a sign and trade with the Wizards where the Wizards put Randall and Porzingis together in a weird combination like I don't know exactly what the solution is for the New York Knicks but the way they want to run the offense which is Brunson and Barrett being the two focal points realistically means that they're better served flipping Randall into something else or having Randall be an off-ball scoring threat, which isn't what Randall does best. We've learned that Randall works best when he has the ball in his hands and he's working either the as the point man for the offense or he's working at the center of what they do. And I'm going to be really interested to see where they go and pivot this offseason because like I said they've taken the core of this team as far as they can go Julius Randle giving you 16 points a game in the playoffs and him basically being I don't want to say basically being like Bobby Portis but being a better version of Bobby Portis for the New York Knicks is probably more indicative of where that team is going and how the, the the type of offense they want to play with Jalen Brunson at the focal point of what they're doing. And look, the New York Knicks fell ass backwards into Jalen Brunson, who had an amazing postseason last year where he, and not Luka Doncic, because remember, Luka was out for two games. He beat the Utah Jazz. Luka helped the back end of the series. If not for Jalen Brunson, the Dallas Mavericks do not beat the Utah Jazz in 2022 and then they go to the conference finals which Luca carried over the the Phoenix Suns but Jalen Brunson was clearly instrumental in what they were doing to get to that series and was the second best player on a team that had one of the five best in the NBA in Luka Doncic and I say five best players knowing that Luka just got named to the first team all NBA and his team didn't even make the play-in round of the tournament and Luka was still all NBA first team. Quick side note, 
the nerds of the NBA can rejoice. Shea Gilgis Alexander made all NBA first team. That is uh, nerds coming together and giving that man the love he deserved as someone who consistently all season was top six in efficiency rating, as someone who was the second best guard in the league in efficiency rating and win shares all season. Shea Gilgis-Alexander deserved the recognition of being All-NBA first team because if he were not on that Oklahoma City Thunder team, they would have been trash. And if Shea Gilgis-Alexander had played on any team with competence in the league, they would be in the playoffs and he would be doing some of the stuff that Devin Booker is doing for the Phoenix Suns. Shout out to you, Shai Gilgis-Alexander. I'm so glad that you made All-NBA first team. Back to the New York Knicks. Maybe they keep Julius Randle and he becomes better Bobby Portis. Or maybe they flip Julius Randle for someone else. And what's so interesting is falling ass backwards into Jalen Brunson has reinvented the way that the New York Knicks are going to compete. The New York Knicks were in jeopardy of totally falling out of contention. They missed the playoffs in 2020. They made the first round of the playoffs in 2021, lost to the Atlanta Hawks, who were not an overwhelming team that year. I mean, granted, they went to the conference finals because Philadelphia threw up on themselves and then slipped in their own vomit. But they were not overwhelming that year. The New York Knicks lost in five, and then they missed the playoffs last year. The New York Knicks were in jeopardy of becoming what happened to the Chicago Bulls. And what happened to the Chicago Bulls was they fucked up on their rebuild. All of their first-round picks didn't turn into All-Stars. They picked Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. None of those dudes turned into All-Stars. They doubled down on making up for their mistakes by trading a first-round pick for... Uh, sorry, trading three first-round picks for Nikola Vucevic because they traded Wendell Carter and two firsts to Orlando for Vucevic. Then they signed DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso to $500 million worth of contracts, all for one playoff victory. They went all-in, making up for their mistakes to get one playoff victory because the only way they were going to become a top four team in the league was by getting one of the 20 best players in the sport to pair with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And I apologize to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on the front end. Neither of y'all are top 20 players in the NBA. Neither of you are generational stars. DeMar DeRozan's probably going to make the Hall of Fame, but we are looking at 33-year-old DeMar DeRozan now instead of 28-year-old DeMar DeRozan The New York Knicks were following that same model, which was miss the playoffs, win one playoff game, and then miss the playoffs again. And landing Jalen Brunson helped them fall ass backwards into a team that could compete, and having draft picks at their disposal meant they could give up one draft pick for Josh Hart, who ended up being an incredible trade for the New York Knicks to make. And we talked about this two weeks ago when we were recapping the Cavs and Knicks series, which was... They went from having Julius Randle as their best player to then, basically a year later, transforming the offense to where Julius Randle is sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter of games against the Cleveland Cavaliers because they'd rather put Obi Toppin on the wing shooting threes 
then have and, and let the offense run through Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Josh Hart. And for those who are keeping track at home, I was surprised to learn this the other day. R.J. Barrett is the same age as Keegan Murray, which was shocking to me to learn that R.J. Barrett is the same age as Keegan Murray. That is a dude who is about to turn 23 years old, entering his physical prime, and is already a dude that can give you 22 points a game. He is about to become one of the 50 best players in the NBA, and even if he becomes their Zach Levine, it's not really that big of a deal going forward for the New York Knicks to have R.J. Barrett be their $30 million Zach Levine. And if you're looking back at R.J. Barrett getting picked third in the draft right after Zion Williamson and John Morant, maybe you say Zach Levine is a bit of a disappointment for R.J. Barrett's career. I think that's besides the point, though. Him being your Zach Levine is pretty damn good. And if you get a player better than Zach Levine available in a trade, maybe you trade Zach Levine. They were considering trading R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell back in July and August of 2022. Maybe they get a Donovan Mitchell-like player available where they can flip R.J. Barrett. But if not, R.J. Barrett being your Zach Levine is not terrible. And so if him being your number two scoring option and giving you 22 to 25 a game more efficiently than Julius Randle is giving you offense is the way to go, then by that point, if the offense is going to run through Brunson and, and Barrett, that is a reinvented New York Knicks offense and one that I think better serves them. The problem for them is that where Julius Randle fits into that equation, making $30 million and not doing the thing that he does best, which is being the primary ball handler and guy at the center of the offense distributing to, say, quickly on the wing or hard on the wing or even Brunson on the wing as a guy who gives you not just 20 points a game but also seven assists a game if that's not going to be Randall's move and maybe Randall opens up the offense a bit because he can be in the middle like on the wing while Robinson's down low but it seems like the offense they'd rather run has a true three wing and maybe an all-star caliber three wing in addition to Josh Hart Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett so by that respect they have a lot of different options they can go with like I said, you don't have to get rid of Julius Randle, but Julius Randle is now your third best player. From this point going forward, that is the strategy that gives you the best chance to win, is Julius Randle being your third best player. Maybe even your fourth best player, depending on how involved you get Josh Hart in what you're doing on offense. The New York Knicks have a plethora of draft picks, some of them their own, some of them trades from other teams. They might get the Dallas Mavericks first round pick this year, depending on how the lottery breaks down. I think Last time I checked, it's a 20-something percent chance that the New York Knicks get the Dallas Mavericks first-round pick this year, so they might get a lottery pick coming out of this. They've already talked about packaging a bunch of players for a star. I mean, we went through the Donovan Mitchell trade last year where it was packaging R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin and quickly and either Grimes or another player and two or three draft picks, like 10 first-round picks worth of value, they have that value. Even if they didn't want to trade Barrett, they could absolutely have put together a package of draft picks that would have compensated Cleveland, or compensated Utah the same way Cleveland did. It's just they didn't want to give up. They didn't value Donovan Mitchell as highly as Cleveland valued Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks had more than Cleveland. Cleveland just valued Donovan Mitchell higher. They can 
always make that swing for even an all-star caliber player, even a Zach Levine. Maybe they say to hell with the whole R.J. Barrett experiment and just trade for Zach Levine. Like, who knows what they end up doing? Maybe they do what we talked about where they flip Julius Randle for for Kyle Kuzma. Like, whatever they end up choosing to do, there is a plethora of options for the New York Knicks to work with, and I'm interested to see how they pivot because the pivot that makes the most sense is to take the offense they currently run and turn it over to... Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett being their two best players next season. And if they are going to be a top three seed in the East, or if they are going to put two players in the All-Star game next year, those two players are going to be Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. I feel very confident that that is the direction that they will go if they're going to be the most successful because they want those guys taking 20-something shots a game. And maybe that means Randall only gets 15 shots a game and is more of a distributor from the center of the offense and guy who grabs rebounds. I don't know if Randall's ever been that person in his career, but maybe this is where the the decline for Julius Randall starts to begin. And I mean, I'm looking at the box score from the game they won in game five. I mean, it was 22 Brunson shots and he got to the line 12 times. Barrett took 17 shots and got to the free throw line eight times. Julius Randle took 13 shots, seven of them from the three-point line, and he hit four of them, like, great on him. But remember, in the postseason, Julius Randle is a 27% three-point shooter. And during the regular season, Julius Randle was a... Let me look it up real quick. Julius Randle was a... 34% three-point shooter, which again, kind of middle of the pack for a power forward like Randall, whose offense isn't predicated on getting his 25 points from the three-point line. I mean, I'm looking at his playoff numbers here. It is in his three-point shooting performance before this game where he went four for seven, which four for seven for those keeping track at home, 57%. Game 1 against the Cavs, 30% from 3. Game 2 against the Cavs, 43% from 3. was 3 for 7. Game 3 against the Cavs, 20%, 2 for 10. Game 4 against the Cavs, 0 for 4. That was the game he got benched at the end. Game 5 against the Cavs, 0 for 3. That one he played at the end of the game, but was also playing hurt. And then had to miss Game 1 against the Miami Heat because of injury. Came back, Game 2, 3 for 9 against the Miami Heat. Game 3 against Miami, 0 for 5. Game 4 against Miami, 1 for 4, 25%. In three game stretches, he went 0 for 4, 0 for 3, 0 for 5. Like, Julius Randle being that guy is not the ideal offense that they want to run, and at times they actually are better served putting Obi Toppin on the floor at the end of games, which is crazy to think about considering Toppin played 12 minutes in a game that they won in Game 5 against Miami. At the same time, like Julius Randle, had, like we said off the top, Julius Randle has probably peaked. And so where they go from here with Barrett and Brunson as the two focal points of the offense, there's so many distinct possibilities they can work with even if they don't get a top 20 player who says they want to come to the New York Knicks, or even if they don't pull the pl- uh, pull the trigger 
on making a trade for a top 20 player in the sport. And maybe you could argue, but Julius Randle is currently a top 20 player in the sport. And again, he was an all-star this year. He made all-NBA third team. I cannot argue with the fact that Julius Randle may right now be a top 20 player in the NBA. At the same time, like we said off the top, he has probably peaked. And if the New York Knicks are going to continue to be as good as they are, one, they probably do need a top 10 player to want to come play for them. But like we said off the top, we're not going to talk about that in this New York Knicks eulogy. Every team wants a top 10 player to come play for them, and that will be the next step for them getting over the top. The more likely scenario is working within the margins to figure out, does Randall fit well as a number three? Is there a better fit we can find for Julius Randle if he's going to be our number three player? And if we find a better fit for Julius Randle, will that player be available at an affordable price where we can match contracts with Julius Randle's $30 million and potentially preserve our long-term flexibility with trades? There's so many distinct possibilities the New York Knicks could go for, and maybe that involves trading... Emmanuel quickly or maybe it involves trading someone else like how whatever direction they go it's going to be interesting to see how it all pieces together because the pivot after four years of Julius Randle being your best player and taking that version of the team as far as it could the pivot to being Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett's offense and Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett's team is going to be really interesting to watch as they work that out in real time during the next regular season, and as they figure out the pieces they would like to return for whatever the next version of this New York Knicks team looks like. And right now they're clearly behind Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston. Maybe they're the fifth best team in the East. Maybe they're the sixth best team in the East. Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Boston are better than the New York Knicks because Quite frankly, they have one or two players better than the best player on the New York Knicks. And yeah, maybe Jalen Brunson emerges into a top 15 player in the sport, and he's the one making All-NBA next year. Like Maybe he has a De'Aaron Fox-type immersion next year in the regular season where he puts up in an offense that gives him the space to be a number one, unlike this last season where Julius Randle was the number one regular season player in their offense. With Brunson having the room to work and get up, uh, what did Brunson put up this season? I just want to double check, fact check that real quick. Jalen Brunson in the regular season this year put up uh, an average of, well, he put up 24 points, but I'm trying to, and shot 41% from three, but I'm trying to figure out how many shots per game Jalen Brunson put up. Like, if you give Jalen Brunson the space to work within that offense, you are going to see. Uh, let's see, 17.6 shots a game. So yeah, if you give Julius, if you give Jalen Brunson 22 shots a game, a higher rate by volume than any year of his NBA career to this point, if you give him that volume, your offense is going to be better and he's going to be an all-NBA caliber player like we saw with De'Aaron Fox or John ja Morant. That will be their best course of action going forward, and I'm really interested to see how they work the roster together around Brunson and R.J. Barrett. This is the pivot for the New York Knicks and for them to pivot to just stay where they are, be the fifth best team in the East. For them to stay with the competition, the pivot is going to be Brunson and Barrett being the focal point of your offense. Maybe they make the next step. Maybe they go through a growing pain season like the Hawks went through. 
Maybe they end up staying exactly where they are. Like whether they get better, stay where they are, or have a regression, it'll be really interesting to see how they pivot because they are at they have taken this thing as far as they could go over the last four seasons. Now they will pivot in order to remain relevant for the next four. We'll see where they go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. And I bet you we're going to have a Wired Up coming in this week because it is a big, big deal with Game 6s and Game 7s all across the board. Leave a five-star review, a download, and we will get all up into the conference finals next week here on the Take It Easy podcast. Thanks for all of your continued support. We will talk to you again soon. You can always go back and listen to our database of episodes all throughout the NBA playoffs. We talked about Joe Mazzulla's future. We talked about the Nuggets and Suns series. We talked about the evolution of Anthony Davis, who got wheelchaired off the floor on Wednesday with a possible concussion. And I think the Warriors have a pretty good chance of coming back and winning that series with or without a healthy Anthony Davis. We've got Boston Celtics 76ers talk abound. So much NBA playoff content and it is all available for you just right below this episode, however you are listening to podcasts. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. It might not be tomorrow, might not be Sunday, but we'll talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.